Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is The Material Podcast, episode number 329. I am your host, Florence Ion, and I'm joined here by my co-host and your other host. And honestly, one of the greatest people that I know, Andy Anako. Oh. Hi, Andy. Oh, thank you very that much. That rhymes, That's too. Great. One of the greatest people I know, Andy Anatko. <laughs> so, so if this was like a 1950s, like, TV variety show that would be like with the like on stage chords and now that now those places you know Andy and Atco. and then the, oh that's a lot better than what I did to I a like part, that and I'd be in some sort of silly costume to get a big rise out of the audience yes uh, I do kind of feel like I would love I would love for the variety show to come back like just a good old fashioned variety show I just don't know if society has the speed for it. And or I should say, or the ability to slow down, I should say. Yeah, but particularly because number one, everybody and number one, everybody has to get all judgy about it. And then the other thing is that the networks, they're convinced that they have to make us feel things or else we're not being entertained. That that's why uh, America's got talent. I can't uh, I, oh, yeah. I I haven't seen more than like a few episodes, but they all just like turned my stomach. Because they, they 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 cast all these characters in these specific roles, like at the very very beginning, whether they whether they know it or not. Like, hi, I'm the I'm the nine year old I'm the nine year old little girl who's all stage struck mm, mm, and mm, is living mm. her dream of being an opera singer. And 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 you know that okay, look, she's holding the stuffed unicorn as her as her lucky charm because she was given it to it by her producers. She's saying like in the microphone like. Before she sings, I'm just so nervous because, again, that's part of the shtick. And then you find out that, oh, she actually won, like, this competition in another country. So she's not exactly <laughs> – literally. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> and, and, and so she'll, she'll sing Omeo Babino Caro or one of the other three songs that every opera songs that everybody knows. And then, every, then gives the, uh, the, the judges a chance to say, you are the reason that God put music on this world. It's like, oh, for heaven's sake. Can can you say that, can, can you have just like a nine-year-old girl who enjoys singing, she sang Yankee Doodle within her, within her range and without her capabilities, and you say, wow, that was really, really pleasant hearing her sing Yankee Doodle. Because it's legitimately mm-hmm. very, very nice. No, we have to feel things. Like, you know, what's, what, what's that unicorn you're holding, dearie? Like, oh, well, my nana gave me this. Like, uh, the, she, uh, she sold her head uh to afford so we could afford the airfare to come here and crowd for the show and so now i know she's at home what well she's not at home watching because she doesn't have a head anymore but i'm sure that's like oh god so you mean that you're going to use the prize money to have your granana's head reattached yeah that's what we're gonna do like oh god Oh, God. Don't make oh, me God. feel anything i don't i i feel enough things as it is it's 2021 if you haven't heard Mm, yes, and we have been on this earth for quite a while. Um, you know what is making me try? I'm trying to feel things about it. Now, I know this is a Google podcast. We're here to talk about Google and the ecosystem of Google. But um, what I what I sort of weirdly consider to be I um, an arm of the Google ecosystem is Microsoft. <laughs> 
right? They do, they bundle in their apps on a lot of Android phones. They have all those really friendly Android apps that people love. They even have like their own launcher app if you just absolutely, you know, want to get into that. And I mean, heck, even Microsoft took Chromium, infused it into Edge, you know, put all of this Google power into its overall product. So that's why I said after I did the Surface Go 3 review for Gizmodo that I would stick around with this tablet for a little bit and just like really take it for a test. Really? Yes, I did review it. But I mean, the test drive, the test drive is flow specific. (laughs) That's the thing. Because when I review it, I have to, I'm reviewing it for a generalized population. I'm reviewing it for you and your mom and your, your kids and maybe your cat that happens to have an opposable thumb. Amazing. (laughs) But the flow, the flow experience is how seamless is it for me to lay in my bed with this thing on my belly and propped up on three pillows. It smells like lavender around me. <laughs> That's how I, I like to be. How, you know, how does this Windows 11 experience on this, I think it's like a 10 point something inch screen. How does it translate from the other tablet, so-called tablet experiences I've had? And I have to say, I can't believe they're trying to get us to use Windows. <laughs> a lot, it's just, this is just like, you know, so yesterday the I went to the eye doctor. I got an exam. He let me go home with my eyes dilated like immediately afterwards. <laughs> that was a bad idea. I should have not been behind the wheel. But the thing is, I I felt like I was, my eyes were still dilated <laughs> when I went to the Surface Go 3. It's just like this tiny operating system <laughs> on this screen. I like that I can... I don't know. I guess do the same thing I do at my work computer, but like on a tinier screen, which is snap two windows to the side and then do two things at once. Cause like, that's the kind of person I am. And that's the, that's the, the usage case I'm having a difficult time replicating in a tablet size. I want to be able to watch, by the way, I'm still watching touched by an angel. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. Because now I want to see how many get, do you know, Jack Black started his career on that show? It was every, any anyone who <laughs> had on. no moral opposition to flying to Utah for a week was on. It, it was like the CSI of its day. Everyone, I have- <laughs> everyone basically. I, I don't fault people for taking a gig on Touched by an Angel because you know you haven't worked in like eleven months and two weeks. You're about to lose your SAG health insurance. It'll get it. It counts. It's money. So many celebrities on there. That's kind of part of the reason I'm like, who would would stoop to this level of touched by an angel? And I'm listen, speaking of crying from TV, sometimes I get a little misty, okay? Okay. They really tug at the heartstrings. That's, of those that's why they call lines. it manipulative, because it, they're manipulating you. Yes, that's I fine. Oh, and I am the lifetime generation, but never the Hallmark channel. Anyway. <laughs> I want to be able to just watch some TV and also like online shop or maybe finally take care of something that I only have time to take care of at 9 p.m., you know, after the munchkins asleep. And so now this is what I'm thinking about the tablet thing. And I'm sharing it here because I feel like finding a tablet is just a journey that we're all sharing, especially those of us who love the Android operating system, but have to find an alternative because what else is there? Because there's Android on tablets, it's a it's a bar bet sort of solution, meaning that like if you make someone a ten dollar bar bet that 
uh, Android apps run on tablets, you will win that bar bet. You will not want to use that tablet, but once again, you will win that bar bet. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been going through the exact same thing with my uh, with my iPad Pro. Um, I've been sort of balancing between uh, my Pixelbook and the iPad Pro as my, uh, let, let's face it, my bopping around the house computer. Like oh, the, I love the, it, yeah. The, the, the computer that like I'll, I'll take out, I'll take off the nightstand and then like mm-hmm. drop onto the sofa on my way to the kitchen to make myself some toast and jam and so, you know, this, that, that, that sort of thing. And I keep trying to figure out what it is that, um, what, what it is that keeps drawing me back to the pixel book, because I would, I would have to say that particularly in 2021, the 2021 12.9 inch iPad pro absolutely smokes like the, this five-year-old pixel book mm-hmm. in almost every technical way. Mm-hmm. However, the problem is that it is still like an, an iPad. It's, it's an iOS device. It's not um, as much as it's powerful enough to be a competitor for a Windows machine or even uh, even a MacBook. It's still an iOS device, which means that the world wants it to be like a, a, an iPhone. It really does. So when I and hmm. what I realized was that. The only thing the Pixelbook and Chromebooks in general have to do is give me one absolutely bog standard desktop Chrome OS, Chrome browser. That's all it has to do in order to be one of the best and most useful things that there is. Because, uh, yep, abs- I would love to have uh, the, the the caliber of productivity apps for Chrome OS that I can find on the iPad. I would love to have the sort of synchronicity in like a, a really mature user interface situation when I go from iPad apps to the Mac version of that iPad app, where it hasn't been sort of dumbed down to fit into a web browser or a web standards. I love that too. But the fact of the matter is that whenever I, whenever I open tabs, it wants to be a mobile browser. And when I try to, mm-hmm. and when I'm when I'm in Reddit or something, and oh well, here's a YouTube video. I don't want to watch it now, but I'll just click on the ad to watch later. It stalls because it wants to hand it off to the YouTube app. Yeah, and that happens all the time. Where oh, I see that you, I, I see that you want to open something that's in Reddit. Would you like me to launch the Reddit app? No, I don't. I want you to keep it inside this browser. And I can't get the plugins that I want that keep my Chrome experience consistent from desktop to desktop to desktop. I've got Chrome so well tuned to exactly what I want it to do. And Chrome can be tuned to behave exactly the the way you want to behave it, that it really is disruptive to have to do this inside uh, inside a computer that does not run a full desktop browser. And yeah, I know in Safari particularly, even in the built-in browser, you can if you look carefully inside this minimalist interface, you can find the switch that says always request the desktop site. But even so, it's kind of works, but not really. You still have a problem with external links trying to trigger uh, external mm-hmm. apps. So, you know, it really, I still think that the iPad was definitely the way to go. I don't regret buying this iPad instead of buying like a, <laughs> I'm not going to buy an Intel like i9 based thousand dollar Chromebook. Uh, but it really did remind me of exactly why this was such a insightful and brilliant move for Chrome OS that 
all it, yes, all it is is a web browser, but really that's all it ever has to be because the world is designed. The, the web, the web <laughs> browser is the, a, a web browser window is the most compliant uh, viewport viewport for an app that there is. Everybody wants to write an app that will run inside a web browser. So if yeah. that's the world that you live in, you want your web browser to be as bog standard as possible. So, you know, Android apps, just slow Chrome OS down. Uh, Linux apps, they're nice. It's nice to have that functionality. But once again, there's so few circumstances in which I would go for a, a, an actual full bore Linux app instead of whatever the equivalent is through the web. So... I'm still navigating it. I think I have to. Ch- I still have to change some of my workflows to accommodate the iPad Pro, uh, but uh, it really does show that all you need is one halfway decent laptop that just runs Chrome, and you've got ninety percent of your problems solved. Eh, kind of. I mean, the problem again, as we said this before, the problem with Chrome OS is that the hardware just isn't where we want it to be. And part of the thing that makes the Surface Go 3 worth it to me to just use as it is right now is that I do have the Chrome browser and everything is in there that I need. All my links, the stuff that I set to read later here on, you know, my work PC and all that. So there's this nice, like, synergy between all my devices because of Google Chrome. But I want the form factor of the Surface Go 3. Yeah. But with Chrome OS on it. Like, that would be the... The ideal, except, and here's here's the last piece of the puzzle, that processor. <laughs> Remember, listen, when we were we were in the late '90s, early 2000s, the word Pentium <laughs> would elicit so much excitement from me. Like, oh my god, it's a Pentium three. It's so much faster than Pentium two. Whatever. We're not, is 2021, as you said, we're not in that age anymore. So now what you're getting at that like Pentium level is extremely basic. I mean, <laughs> there's like this weird, maybe this is a, because of the browser, maybe because this is a Windows 11 or just how the little Go 3 does power management, but there's always a delay before it plays a video. <laughs> like it's, it's teeing it you know it's right. it's caching it or whatever but it's a dip it's a delay within google chrome not a thing i experience on my dell xps full-blown core i7 situation going on here so i'm like noticing just how different windows is between that like super low-end processor versus the what i would call the standard norm because yeah. <laughs> i i don't think of windows anything but like a core whatever so <laughs> right it's just like an yeah, it's just it's an interesting time. And I know this is also kind of a weird time to be thinking about hardware just because of all these manufacturing delays and now they're probably gonna start charging us more money for the things that we want anyway because of what it so it just feels like take what you can get. <laughs> right. Search for the best tablet continues. <sighs> yeah no and also microsoft has had such this such a such a deep and storied history of failed interesting ideas at making windows work on inexpensive tablets like if you want i if was you there got, in netbook land okay yeah. i loved it <laughs> i was there well not, no not, i'm not even talking about netbooks i mean remember when uh, what was it windows r that uh so these, these when after there's there's solution for the ipad was uh, I, th- I think this was after Windows 8 came out, 
was that we're going to have a special like risk version of the the, the uh, uh, Windows that runs on special system, like risk based uh, system risk based as if anything else is risk based but you know what i'm saying that the windows for for a system on a chip as opposed to a conventional like intel processor and they were and it was all hanging on the idea that they could convince windows developers to stop making really profitable windows apps at, for, for like real windows machines and start making at some apps for these little cheap chintzy red plastic underpowered <laughs> tablets and it never ever ever happened so this is why I, I i'm totally with you this is this is why apple is so seductive that they're the only company that can really sell you um a compact tablet that makes you feel like whatever you want to do with it it's capable of doing it without annoying the hell out yeah. of you and yeah. I desperately want Windows to make a tablet like that. I desperately want Google or some some sort of Android-based <laughs> system to be a tablet like that. But no one's doing it. It always, it always comes back to everybody wants to look like Apple but function like somebody else. Sorry <laughs> to my Apple lovers out there. Uh, you know. You know how I am on that team. <laughs> anyway, let's let's get to the the real show here and get a little bit out of this Microsoft talk because well, actually we're going to get into next week is a trifecta of tech events, <laughs> not just from Google, but also Samsung and Apple. So it's just going to be all over the place coming up. And speaking of Apple, Google has decided to stop making its iOS apps look like Android. So that's kind of a, that's an interesting design decision going that was, forward. That, you know, that, that was awfully sporting of them after 10 years to decide to, make their apps look like they belong on the device they're running on. Well, and we'll we'll talk about why they probably came to that conclusion, though, when we get to it, because there, there there's a reason for many of these things. Um, and then we're also going to talk about something that made me cackle so hard, and you really have to stay tuned for it, because we're going to get into it. There's a Waymo self-driving cars keep getting stuck in the same cul-de-sac in San Francisco, and it's annoying the hell out of the people who live there. So <laughs> this is this is both a human interest and a tech story, and I cannot wait to dive into it. So we should probably take a break, get ourselves settled, let our sponsor speak their truth, and we'll be right back. This episode of Material is brought to you by Pingdom from Solar Winds. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that buy button or fill out a trial form? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that means you've already lost out on new customers. You need something to tell you everything is running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it isn't. So you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. And for as low as $10 a month, Pingdom helps keep your sites online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need real-time alerts about critical website issues and customization of how you're alerted, whether it's via SMS, email, or your team's collaboration apps. Pingdom even tracks and analyzes your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a website, you need Pingdom. Take charge of monitoring your site in minutes and go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. 
Then when you sign up, use the code material at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Boy, 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 is next week going to be so much fun for people who buy and consume these things. <laughs> I'm not here to complain about my job. I love what I do. And I love that next week we're going to have so many reasons to just drop a bunch of cash. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, but it isn't, but... It, this is why we got into this line of work so that three days in a row we could have three live product announcement events that we'd be expected to cover live blog about live tweet about live podcast about live have opinions on for radio audiences and all kinds of audiences without having much opportunity to give it a whole lot of thought and then by the time you can get yourself a cup of soup and 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 a half hour of youtube you got to do it all over again the next day now, this is not as bad as loading 50-pound bags of peat moss into the bags of pickup trucks all summer, which is something I did for part of one summer. So that is my benchmark for how bad a job can possibly be. <laughs> However, there are easier weeks than when Microsoft, when, when Google and Apple and Samsung decide that, hey, if Google is having their event on Tuesday, let's have our event on, on Monday. Oh, well, if Apple and Google are having their events that next week anyway, let's have our event on Wednesday. That way we can go out for waffles instead of having to work for the rest of the week. Oh, boy. I got to tell you, first of all, I love it when you drop in tidbits from your um, from your past life uh, doing odd jobs. I love I, it. I still haven't recovered from the heat stroke of Again, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm sorry about that. I realize you <laughs> no, no, no. Again, have I, lived I in was, the East Coast. I was young. And the summers I was there are no joke. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, bless you, all of you who deal with that humidity. Um, okay, so let's go through what you're going to be in. I guess what you, the listener, will be enjoying listening to next week. So first up, we've got we're going to start the week off with an Apple event. Okay, so let's go to Apple first. Mm-hmm. And uh, ooh, this isn't an Apple podcast, so the good news is I don't really have to talk about <laughs> what yeah, they might announce. I, but I, I do, <laughs> but let's again, this is a, to keep this Google focus. Let's give credit where credit is due. This would be, I, I don't want to speak out of turn. We're recording on Wednesday. It's still Monday. They Apple two at this point at uh, twelve oh three a.m. on Thursday have not managed to leak out every last possible detail about everything they're going to be announcing on Monday. So kudos to them that that is not something that all companies who punch Apple's weight can manage. Let's let's admit that. Uh, okay. So good for them. Yeah, I mean, well, but that's because what's rumored to be announced is not going to be a mobile device. Well, perhaps, well, no, we're thinking, no, well, mm, mobile as in you can move to your couch from the office. It's it's supposed to be laptops, folks. New new MacBook (laughs) Pros, maybe a new Mac Mini, and basically them showing off, hey, remember how we totally threw out all of our Intel stuff last year and created our own silicon? Well, now we're doing it again because, and they'll probably have a little bit of a flex to say, you see, we've... This was not not only the best Macs we've ever made, but the fastest selling Macs that we've ever sold. I like your kind of Tim Cook accent that you added. Our new Macs, like yeah. (laughs) And speaking of making their own chips, Google's going to have the Pixel event on Tuesday, October nineteenth, where they're going to tell us all about their Tensor. 
processing units that are at the core and heart and vein and liver of the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro. So that's that. And as Andy said, we already know everything about it pretty much. We kind of pretty much know all the specs. We know there's going to be a small one and a big one. (laughs) (laughs) We know there's going to be a a reg and a and a professional version. One one that's too big for uh, to fit in any woman's clothing's pockets, and one that is way too big to fit into any woman's clothing's pockets. Yeah, and also purportedly, but definitely, because we know what's going to happen, but also we we can't say that we know. (laughs) (laughs) The camera is supposed to be infinitely better than its predecessors. I don't doubt that it'll be a really great camera, and we're going to be at least wowed by the still photography, but um, videography is always the, it's kind of what everybody is always waiting to see from the pixels. Um, We're also going to hear about Android 12, I think finally, and like when it's actually going to come out, unless it's just so happens to get announced after we record this podcast. Was announced. It just wasn't officially released to anybody yet. (laughs) As we, as we said in our last episode. Exactly. So, um, Qualcomm decided to flex on Google, not honestly via tweet. <laughs> yeah. What's they, that about, Andy? Yeah, this is, <laughs> that's one of those childish things that when you, when you let the wrong people control your social media account. So under, uh, Qualcomm's oh, official s- Snapdragon, uh, account, uh, they said, oh, you know, you know how there is a, there's apparently a Twitter meme, uh, yes. where you make a oh, statement God. and then paste in a whole bunch of like red flag emojis uh, to indicate that this is a red flag, that something is wrong. And so under the Snapdragon account, quote, we've decided to make our own smartphone system on a chip instead of using Snapdragon. Like, okay. You're fired. You're fired. (laughs) You're fired. Like, what is this? Bring it up with your investors. Don't put it, put it out on Twitter. Well, Don't so bring us into it. It, it never it never <laughs> works when they try to hook on to like a, something this popular. It's like you you really feel like the fifty year old who's trying to trying to who's told that your boss that no, I'm actually thirty eight years old. And then as the fake thirty eight year old, you're trying to speak to the twenty year olds, which is you know they they might as well have said you know if Google is just try don't get caught in a squid game of lower performance, which was what you would get with unproven technology. It's like avoid the squid game, but like okay, thank you very much. You you, you got a lot of money for promotion, and that's how you choose to choose it. No, thank you very much. Here's what I'm gonna do, folks. I'm gonna put a link directly to the tweet, and then when you go to our show notes, I want you to read the replies to this. <laughs> yes, exactly. I just want to say the people who replied about their real world experiences with the Qualcomm processors. Yeah, exactly. My hats are off you're kind to of, you. You're kind of inventing. Pe- you're kind of inviting people to dunk right on you. It's it's like you got to be really sure what you're talking about. It's like yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll screaming seven mutes. I'll put up with an improving tensor chip with several years of support instead of just three years of Snapdragon with time and money. Tensor can equal Snapdragon a couple of years. Yeah, that's a really good point, Andy, because Google's going to be making these chips. They're going to be providing their own updates to them. This is a wild thing, actually. We We probably should put a little more emphasis on what this means for the industry at large. I feel like because it hasn't been fully announced, it's only been like extremely leaked that <laughs> it's not 
quite the time to do the analysis, right? Because we don't have real world right. benchmarks. We don't have people using this thing. Um, but this is, it's going to be a big event. So yeah. Monday and Tuesday are going to be big days for Apple and Google consumers and people who are just watching the space. And then on Wednesday, we when uh, we record our next podcast, we have a Samsung event. And that one is a little, it's the Unpacked 2 event. And that one's a little, ugh, it's 7 a.m. Pacific, which thanks <laughs> for remembering Californians work as well but anyway well but, but, uh, if they're, but they're, if they're making you wake up that early they must have something huge i mean just titanic to, to to blow us all away with right we we don't know we're not quite <laughs> sure we're not quite sure what we do know is that the samsung release says our users are multifaceted and live life in so many colorful interesting and unique ways as such the technology they use every day should reflect their individuality. And then we are asked to join them for the Galaxy Unpacked Part 2 on October 20th to see how Samsung is, quote, opening up new experiences for self-expression through technology. Now, there's a picture on the page. It shows colored squares, and they appear to be about the same size as the Galaxy Flip 3. But if you kind of read and look through the rumors and you kind of look through what's been canceled, what Samsung said it's canceled in <laughs> some overseas publications. You kind of rule out the idea of a new device. So I have a inner hankering. This is my own, this is my own informed inference on what is happening. This is this is nothing. Nobody said anything. This is just what I think. I think this is going to be something to do with Android 12. On Samsung's side. Okay. Yeah, like they, they haven't officially announced support for Android 12 yet. But the they? beta is available for the Galaxy right. S21. And I was reading today that it's possible that we will be saying the first One UI. Mm, I can't remember if it was like the full full version or the beta that we should be saying it by the end of the year. So this is, this is where I'm coming up with all of this in my right. brain. It's just from like the... Yeah. But also because they talk about individuality and self-expression and um, yeah, material use, supposed to be about that, so. right? And the so, and the if you look at the, the the artwork that's on that announcement page, yeah, it's it's like kind of like isomorphic like rect rectangles that are about the right proportions for like that color square that's on the top of a, one of these flips, and they're in the sort of like they're in only three different colors, and they're the sort of twenty twenty one interesting but somewhat safe and boring colors that we're seeing uh, introduced for phones uh these days so yeah probably just something it's uh, you have to wonder this 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 announcement just dropped like a couple of days ago so mm -hmm. I, I i would i don't think that this isn't this isn't like a youtuber suddenly deciding to do a wednesday video when they usually do friday videos but you do have to wonder like if they have they have this announcement that they're going to release at some point and if maybe they decided that well look if if this is the week that lots of people are doing announcements let's do do ours on wednesday so cuz this isn't big enough to get its own coverage you know that apple almost always does their uh, releases on uh, their live stream events on tuesday uh, so that's definitely a case where there where they probably had this 
we kind of earmarked for themselves. But when Google grabbed Tuesday, they decided to do Monday because now that now that they're doing all these stuff like in their own like corporate studios, they don't have to rent out a hall. They don't have to get True. people to load in uh, load in chairs and, <laughs> and and production stuff. So they probably said, eh, OK, let's do that Monday instead of Tuesday. But yeah, this it's it's going to be a heavy week. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's always going to be it, as much as we even though we know pretty much everything there is to know about the Pixel, there are still some things that could have been leaked. And of course, in the in the remaining as we tick down the clock, hey, wait a minute, nobody's leaked the official like service manual for the Pixel Six yet. Boom, the Pixel's service manual came out um, as <laughs> and as expected. Now that all the phone carriers like certainly have all the marketing materials put together, exactly. of course they were going to leak. So now we have official specs and official videos, uh, official pictures, and stuff like that. Um, but so there's probably like nothing left. There it is going to be interesting though because every time that Google uh, takes a stage, they have to always now be they they have a they have a mandate that they didn't have before. Like maybe five years ago, of course, they would talk about privacy and of course, they would talk about security because those are interesting things to talk about. And there's mm-hmm. in the big list of things. It's, it's tough to fill an hour when you don't have someone skydiving over the the, the event venue wearing a, wearing a camera. But now they really do have to convince everybody that, hey, yes, we're doing we're collecting information, but we're doing things in such a private way. And we keeping good. We're being good caretakers of, uh, of of your privacy. We're also a very secure platform and we're preventing other people from getting involved, uh, getting getting into your your personal data. There's they are probably hoping that they can change the temperature of the room as international regulators continue to try to turn up the heat but they real i think they more more than that they realize that all of this news that's coming out about investigations about new regulations that are necessary about uh, uh, uh in the eu and and, and elsewhere about uh, uh controls over uh use of data collection as you transverse the web they have to counteract that in the public's mind to say that yes we are of course collecting information but that's to make a better experience for you this mm-hmm. is where the the tensor chip is going to be a big asset to them not just for having some more freedom to design hardware apart from Qualcomm but also to say more and more uh, more and more times hey look and we're doing all this great stuff uh, without having any personal information ever leave your device because we can keep the complete machine language learning model completely on your device process it all locally so we don't ever have to con- after uh, connect to a server or or talk to anybody else so it's it's going to be cool to hear how they decide to 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 make that conversation. Oh goodness, mm. we're gonna have we're gonna have so much more to dive yeah. into next week. Yeah, I, I will. I, I will say one other thing though that there there is an advantage to uh, all this information coming out. If I'm considering buying a flagship phone. And as I've said before, I've been, I've been doing without a flagship phone for the past three or four years because, frankly, nothing Apple has put out, nothing that no, nothing Apple has come out has convinced me it's so good that I want to switch. Nothing that Google has come out with has similarly impressed me that it's time to spend a thousand dollars on a Google phone. And because every other phone that's not made by Google, as far as I'm concerned, has enough downsides that I don't want to even bother with them. That's why that thousand dollars has been safely in that envelope taped to the underside of my desk. But there are some things that I want to see before I'll even consider buying a flagship. And this thing has been leaked 
in such detail all the way down to like here's a picture of the components themselves you can actually read what the battery light what, what the battery capacity is because here's a picture of the disassembled phones you can see that it's a the pro has a 5040 milliamp hour battery all, all the stuff that would make me want to, well i uh, look the, the 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 pixel 6 looks like it could be good but i want to wait to see like what the teardown is like i want to see what an antec has to say about it there's enough data now that uh, I'm willing to gamble that my money on it, given that I can return it within, given that there's a return policy that I can mm. return and get a refund. But we're at the stage where I'm not 100% convinced that Google can sell me a Pixel 6 Pro in black with the storage capacity that I want at the time that I decide that I want to buy it. Unless I decide to pre-order it like as soon as like pre-orders go live on, I'm assuming that the pre-orders will go live on the 19th, but I will definitely, as I'm watching the live stream, I will have a second window open like on the Google store just to be ready uh, because it does, I have to, I have to admit that one of the weird things about this is that all I really want is a much, much better camera. I want a camera with better lenses, with telephoto and wide. All this other stuff, Tensor, really great. Having a bigger screen, that's cool. Having a high refresh screen, beautiful, love it. But really, mm-hmm. if all they did was <laughs> say, like, here is a here is a, a special case you can clip your Pixel 4a into that will give you these these extra lenses you want, and it will be just as good as a built-in. Like if I could, if if they actually had followed through with project aura and i could just simply take out the lego brick that represented the cameras and replaced it with a a modern one that's absolutely what i'd be doing because otherwise this this pixel 4a is doing just fine for me so i i'm i i think that i did well by waiting three or four years to 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 uh to to buy again a thousand dollar fan top of the line phone but nonetheless it really is all about the camera i'm I'm expecting great things because it's google Mm -hmm. but still it's like i i did have to go onto like bnh photo and decide well let's say that we're spending a thousand dollars on a pocket camera what could we get But I know, but I know me. I know I would not simply add like a pocket camera to my daily carry. I will. I won't leave, leave the house without a phone. I will almost certainly leave the house without even a thousand dollars Sony Andy, pocket camera. This this is in two thousand three. You don't have to take your pocket camera into the club with you in your clutch or around your little wrist <laughs> right here. You know, ah, those were the days. <laughs> those were the days. Passing the SD car around. Once upon a time, there was a tavern. Those were the days, my friend. Those were never and there was a goth club. What? Oh, um, <laughs> let's take a quick break. I Hello, we get my back, name we'll is Andy. About... I'm fairly certain that I'm edgy. <laughs> my mom has told me so. Sometimes you remind me of, um, I hope I get his name right, Tom Servo. <laughs> but like, An- another, like when, another fine baritone. I will take that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, it, which, by the way, if listener, that's something you'd love to hear is Andy and I doing a podcast episode of Mystery Science Theater. You know? <laughs> Let us know. We'll talk to the people to make that happen. Um, but first, we're going to take a break, take a little water break. When we get back, we will talk about dematerializing iOS apps. Now, this is a story that I 
came to me a little after it started to pick up around the web. And so I'm still kind of working through it. But the what it's but the significance of it, I think, will be pretty big for just platform parody, I want to say. And I don't mean parody between two platforms. I mean, having each user have their own situation. Yeah. It, it's a situation. It's a, it's, it's definitely a <laughs> policy shift for yeah. like what, for what a, a Google app should look like when it's being run on a platform that Google has not designed themselves. That should it carry historically the historically what Google has done was say, well, we'll just make it look like material design on iOS. And now they seem to be saying that eh, actually we don't have to do that anymore. Maybe we should stop making Apple people who are already angry enough with us. <laughs> Let's give them one less reason and cut ourselves some slack as well. Yeah, but okay. So let me tell you what's happening first. Then I'm going to drop my, my opines here. Okay. Because, because I have a, I have a take on that. So, this came by way of a Twitter thread from Jeff Verkoyen. He's an engineer lead for Google Design on Apple's platforms, and he posted this Twitter thread discussing the changes that are going to be coming to Material on iOS, as well as um, just kind of some larger ethos, like this is what the ecosystem is like, this is why we made this decision kind of thing. I would encourage anybody to go read the thread, which we're going to link to in the show notes, just to kind of get an idea of what's happening behind the scenes in terms of Android design. User interface design is user experience. I don't work in that industry, but I recognize it's like one of the most important things to get an operating system to become a part of a person's life. And I think part of I speak for myself here, and maybe Andy, you agree. Part of the reason that I have stayed an Android user for this long is because I really like the interface. I love the evolutions that they have done to Material, even with my slight dubiousness about what Material you might be like. So Jeff, he has a lot of history with iOS. He came to Google 10 years ago, actually, after working for Facebook. So I think he started around 2011. That was still the uh, the hollow days. Um, And at the time, he blogged that he was frustrated because an iPad version of the Facebook app he'd headed, it wasn't getting released, even though he had worked on it by himself and I'm sure um, got his team to bring this nice package to their manager. And their manager was like, nope, forget it. (laughs) I don't know if that's what their manager said. But um, he tweeted about the history of developing apps for iOS at Google. And 10 years ago, his team was forced to create their own user interface elements and code to fill in those gaps on iOS. And then when Google switched to material design, they started to create that material design paradigm for iOS, which they eventually open sourced to make it a little easier to, much more malleable. But in the meantime, since then, Apple has been working behind the scenes on its own UI kit, and it's matured to a point where Google is kind of wasting time and resources developing alongside for this toolkit that can already implement the design changes that they want to they wanna bring to it. So rather than reinvent the wheel, the team decided that they're just going to take what's available and work with that. Uh, Jeff wrote this. At the beginning of this year, my team began a deep evaluation of what it means to build a hallmark Google experience on Apple platforms by critically evaluating the space of utility 
versus key brand moments and the components needed to achieve either. So moving forward, they've decided now on a plan that will marry the best of Apple's UI kit with the parts of Google's material design language. And this also comes from the thread. This is a quote. The time we're saving not building custom code is now invested in the long tail of UX details that really make products feel great on Apple platforms. To paraphrase Lucas Pope, we're, quote, swimming in a sea of minor things, unquote, and I couldn't be more excited about this new direction. Um, I think this is, this is good news for Google branding on the Apple platform. I think it's important not to... Apple is such its own, like... It's such its own entity. Yeah. yeah. Right. This, just to put it bluntly and succinctly, it's such its own entity. And I think it's very important that if you are designing for that user base, that you have to consider that user base rather than trying to like ham fist this idea from a totally different side of users. Um, but the thing that rubs me the wrong way here is that for years, Android users have been clamoring for better versions of apps that were previously developed iOS first or that were iOS only. And so that's why I'm kind of like, ugh, you know, and it's petty of me. (laughs) (laughs) And it comes from like, you know, my flow as a fan part of my relationship with Android at the same time, I understand how this is like a good idea for business. And this is probably going to make users a lot happier to have a version of Gmail that isn't my version of my Android version of Gmail. Right. So I get it. Um, and I get the same reason why I don't want the Apple menu schematic, as the iOS menu schematic, where if I recall correctly, they do like either the points in the corner at the top that those are like action corners. Right. You swipe down from the called. corner to... Yeah, sorry folks, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Apple's a really big beat that <laughs> it's a lot of stuff there that I, I'm kind of behind on, but I wouldn't want to see that on any of my Google apps. So I can understand why this makes the most sense. And I I don't know, Andy, how do you feel about it? Because you're the one that toes the line way more than I do. <laughs> I wouldn't say I toe the line. It's well, I'm, it's more to like, borrow a phrase. I know. It's <laughs> it, it's a complicated problem. Like um I do think that the best app for a platform is going to be tailored for that platform. Uh, yeah. If you use Adobe Photoshop, they decided just like five or six years ago, they decided that, okay, look, we're done. We're just done <laughs> trying to make two different versions of this app. Guess what? Yeah, we're going to create the, the Adobe user interface. And if you run it on Mac, you get a window that you get a we get a window with a and, and menu bar on Windows. You get a Windows window and menu bar, but inside that is going to be entirely the Adobe interface. We're done. We're I'm tired. still the same person inside. That's exactly. I mean, we used to laugh more before we had to deal with all this sort of stuff. Uh, on the other on the other hand, yeah, you 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 can't you can't really say that you're a developer for a company that has a couple of trillion dollars in in valuation and say that you don't have the resources necessary to create the experience that an Apple user is expecting on their Apple device. So it really it, it's it's not an accommodation. It probably is kind of table stakes. But this is I really really am glad that he decided to just uh, to to really talk this entire thing out. This is I I think that more companies should do stuff like this. Um, Jeff 
didn't just sort of uh, his team didn't just sort of start rolling out apps that are using more Apple user interface elements. He said, "Well, let me let me show you, let me explain some inside baseball of what why we do the things that we do." That it wasn't uh, and it wasn't uh, Google being churlish and saying, "Oh, well, you people, mm-hmm. uh, we, our design is better than your design, and we don't we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to damage the branding of Google Docs by having this silly iOS oh, seven iOS eight interface on it." Oh. What a brand! Yeah, and it's like no, it's because we want their 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 user interfaces, user interface elements in Android that did not exist on iOS at that time. So mm-hmm. we had to write our own to fill to fill in all these gaps, and it also illustrates a problem in really all kinds of project management, management in general, probably life in general. That there are decisions that you make. Because at the time, there were, there's a really good reason behind it. But after a number of years, maybe that original reason has gone away, but you're still doing it because that's just the way you've always done it. It's a really important thing to every now and then, as in this case, step back and say, well, why are we spending so many of our work hours creating user interface mm-hmm. element code for iOS? Like, do we still have to? And they realize that, well, no, it's 10 years later. <laughs> They've actually patched in pretty much everything that we ever need for this. And now we can focus on just the things that make uh, Google Docs Google Docs. So it's kind of a life lesson for a lot of different people. Uh, but I'm totally with you. I really wish that uh, – I hope we see the end of – Having to say, having to get, oh, wow, what a great new feature for, for Google search. What a great new feature for Google Maps Mobile. Can't wait to get it on my stock Android phone made by Google. I wish I had an iOS device because apparently they're more important than the rest of us. Hmm. They, they, they hmm. can also do something to like create Google Docs, like standalone Android apps that are an attractive alternative to the, 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 going it through the web browser. Well, I'm happy for you, iOS users. I hope you enjoy this news. I'm always happy. I'm happy for everybody. (laughs) Happy for all of us. Happy for all of you. Uh, Okay, we're going to take another quick little break. And then when we get back, hopefully you will laugh. The Venus Waymo trap. Okay, this is a news item that comes from me locally here. But Andy is the one who actually made me privy to it, which is that apparently... Now, this is hilarious. Okay. The Waymo cars that are in San Francisco right now, the large fleet, we talked about it. They dropped a bunch of their Jaguars in downtown San Francisco (laughs) and around there to kind of just let them run rampant and learn the map and figure out what it's like to drive themselves around one of the hilliest, most congested cities in America. Well, now, the thing a lot of people don't, realize about San Francisco is that only a portion of it is like is big buildings and narrow streets. And when you go further out west toward the beach, that's when you start to get into like the bedroom community of San Francisco. That's where the houses are. And actually, if you read on some architecture history, you'll know that there's an architect that built a lot of like copycat houses up and down the coast a little bit. It's very, it's very fascinating all the development they did in the 50s and 60s. But anyway, so there's a little neighborhood, Lake Street in the Richmond District, for anybody who's familiar with San Francisco. There's this annoying little, like, cul-de-sac. And it used to be annoying because if you tried to cross, 
Anyway, we tried to use that back road to try and cross a really busy highway that borders that little uh, neighborhood. And that is where all these cars are getting stuck turning around. And it's a it's a very interesting phenomenon because. <laughs> OK, I just want let's let's play this quick. We're going to play a quick little clip from the CBS like local affiliate that we have here in the Bay Area um, of one of the residents, Jennifer King, just talking about her experience. And I noticed it while I was sleeping. I awoke to a strange hum that I thought there was a spacecraft outside my bedroom window. <laughs> So this dead-end street in the middle of San Francisco, all these Waymo vehicles are for some reason using it to turn around. Um, they haven't figured out why. <laughs> Nobody's gotten to them. The neighbors... Even the even the like the human drivers, like the human like uh, sentinels or whatever, where they put they put in behind the wheel for safety. They, they the neighbor the neighbors when asking like it's not me, it's just the software that for some reason decided to drive into this dead end street and then do like a twenty four point turn to turn the other way and then leave. That's the other thing. These things apparently can't three point turn very well, which and as it is again, San Francisco narrow streets, but where where these houses are, the the streets are a little wider. So that's why I'm just kind of like, what is going on with this LIDAR? What is going on with this situation? And so um, the neighbors have been complaining because a lot of them work from home as per where we are now in, in life. And this is the Bay Area, lots of remote tech jobs. And one resident said they counted 50 cars in a single day coming into this like so-called cul-de-sac and doing its a million point turnaround. And I have to say anecdotally, now <laughs> I went to San Francisco last Saturday with my husband. We went out to to meet a couple of pals for a few drinks. And while we were waiting to cross the street just to get back to our car, I saw Two Waymo vehicles, one after the other, like passed me. Nobody was in it, mind you, except the the driver person. Nobody is in these cars apparently either. If you watch the full CBS little clip that they included, at, they get to kind of like the end of it, and one of the <laughs> residents says, "I don't know that I ever see people." Nobody comes out of it. Yeah, they're not drop. They're not dropping people off. It's just that the car decided that it needed to go here at some point. And so while uh, the KPIX was the name of the station. Yes, thank uh, well, you. So they had a, a camera. They were covering the story, and while they were there, like they show that here is like one <laughs> one car that's doing like again the twenty eight point turn to turn around, and meanwhile there are like I think two other one or at least one, but they, I think I remember two other cars <laughs> that are lined up waiting <laughs> for the traffic to clear so they can then do their own twenty eight point turn and turn around. Silly. And this, this is going silly. on for like six to eight weeks. <laughs> yes, the six to eight weeks. It, the interesting thing is that I, I didn't realize these, I guess they make a noise. I'm imagining it would be like a like a Prius. Like yeah. The Prius makes a very, very slight hum, but you can only hear it if you're a pedestrian walking right next to it. I'm What I'm wondering is about these residents who are hearing this hum like from their windows. I'm imagining they're a few stories up. This must be a loud. Well, it's got, well, it's got like uh, multiple LIDARs that are spinning around, so that's probably creating some noise. I guess that's true. And so that's the other thing, Andy. I was talking to Andy about this before we started recording because I'm trying to come up with a theory of why this is happening. My, I have very novice knowledge about <laughs> self-driving cars it's you know not typically a beat that i cover but i understand the technology behind it 
And so I'm thinking, is this like a robot vacuum situation where the cars are just like consistently mapping the same routes? My husband thinks that it's because it's it it's because it's just it knows that's where it can turn around. And so that's why it's doing it in that particular locale. Hmm. What do you think? See, it's 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 weird because I <laughs> I'm, I'm, not from, I'm not familiar with that neighborhood, so I had to look it up on Google Maps. And what it is is like if you're at all familiar with uh, San Francisco, at the north of the peninsula is the is the Presidio, which is mm-hmm. used to be the huge, 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 huge military base. But it's like basically all woods and all whatever. And so you so if you imagine like a grid of streets that ends just south of south of that, but some of the north south streets jut up like like maybe one block before like they just terminate and it's at one of these intersections is where like they're doing all the all these turnarounds so i keep trying to figure out that they obviously it knows what the map is it has Mm -hmm. to be able to know that this is a dead-end street that i'm about to enter why don't i take a left or a right uh, take a take a turn like at this intersection so i don't have to do the 27 point turn and come back more to the point how many mm, if, if uh, I realized that 50 cars in one day was just one count. So but even if that's twice as much, imagine if it's 25 cars a day and it's been going on for like six to eight weeks. How many times does a car have to make that kind of mistake before some piece of software at least flags this as, hey, that's kind of interesting that all of these cars wind up making the same 27 point feud totally pointless turn it's it's not as though someone lives at the end of that street and keeps ordering like one coffee six times a day and that's like why cars keep having to come up there and back again it's like how how is how is they learning if they (laughs) if they can't figure out that no i'm not gonna go on this dead-end street expecting that i'll be able to go off-road onto a golf course or whatever is behind that that edge of the so that's actually um Let's see. Yeah, that's the Presidio. And I will say, so there's a golf course behind that. And I will say that where that car does the turnaround, uh, right next to it is the Transcendental Meditation Center in San Francisco. So perhaps this Waymo vehicle would like to be freed from the tyranny of this self-driving program that it's been programmed to do. And it just mm. it just wants to, to be free. So it's... It knows where charging stations are, and it knows where discharging stations for bad vibes are. Mm-hmm. Very, San, right. very San Francisco localized uh, m- uh, machine learning there. I miss when San Francisco was that. I yearn for that again. <laughs> yep. Gosh, it's so, yeah, it's so odd. Now that I'm looking at the map and really thinking about why is it doing there? It doesn't need to do it yeah. there. It's like, I, I don't, I really don't think that it's like, oh, I need a place to turn around. Oh, here's a good place to do it. Because again, you could just like take it's a left. It's actually not a good the, place to do it. Yeah, you're right. You could just take left. Yeah. You go to 16th Avenue. Um, yeah. So the, we're next to uh, Lobos Valley Overlook. The <laughs> you're also You're also near a, a, a bicycle club. Ooh, there's also a law office there, so that's probably a bad place to <sighs> Yeah, get we're all just trying to surmise. I'm like looking around. Um, ugh, this is my old neighborhood, and I, you know, it's it's funny because I remember driving a car around there. <laughs> yeah. See, it's also, not easy. And I, I, and I, <laughs> I, I, I hate to I hate to be this annoying, but this is a you know that Google is going to be well motivated to like address and fix this problem. Apparently, uh, WPIX got in touch with them. And was in like 
full, we are so grateful for this feedback. We'll definitely take a look at it. And they try said to that in the news on. broadcast, which exactly. I was just like, okay, good for you <laughs> for <laughs> that, helping are, them do those this. Are defi- I those guess. are definitely words that you said to a TV reporter. I don't, don't know if like, I, I want to know, like, did the, uh, did the people in this neighborhood have an avenue where they could like actually com- complain and make sure that Google heard them before they brought a camera crew? Yeah. Did they have to go through the product forums? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but the uh, or do they just like sort of like wait for wait for like a Google Maps vehicle to come around and just pull up a banner saying your cars keep getting stuck here send well, them back. Well, the, the, one of the residents she had said that she had talked to the uh, the safety uh, driver. Yeah, the safety driver, the person who's in the driver's side um, about it, and the driver said, "I can't do anything. This is just the, how it's programmed." Yeah, yeah. Like, which make don't you have an override system? Well, or uh, maybe. Yeah. Help See, it three point turn. <laughs> yeah, but you, you would also. Uh, I I don't know like what these whether whether these people are being hired as like test engineers or whether they're just meat puppets. If they're just like legally required meat ballast for the driver's seat, because you would hope that right. every time that even even an, even Elon Musk by having his death mobiles in beta mode mowing down emergency vehicles across of, uh, this great land of ours there is like a way to say hi uh i just witnessed my my car do something that could have killed me and about 18 people perhaps you want to flag that whatever whatever data is in the the cache right now you want to evaluate it as market as a bad decision uh yeah that's <laughs> it's you, you also kind of wonder like what if this were happening like uh, what if there was a similar problem like in the mission where there were like Ooh. lots of people that, you know, don't have like $200,000 a year, like work at home jobs. I'm sorry. I'm being, I'm, I'm making a judgment. I'm, I know, but the, this is very, you're expensive. not making a, you're it's not, very, I very mean, expensive real estate. Very yeah. like people who are like, I'm going to call daddy and daddy's going to have his phone talk to you people Listen, and you're going to be expensive very, very sad to live even out there in san francisco those yeah. are still million dollar houses we're talking about so are, just i i, I yeah. have done the street view i, I have not do done the, the zillow. zillow but i, I, I <laughs> yeah. did not because but i did do the street view and say okay this is not like six people sharing an apartment while they make their way while they it's find literally their 1.5 million dollars a house out there yeah. um and it, unfinished i should say <laughs> but that but you're absolutely right, because if this were happening in the more congested parts of San Francisco, there would be more, it would be more perilous, quite frankly, because there's more pedestrians around. Yeah. I'm assuming, I mean, this is still unsafe because there's a lot of elementary schools and, and just schools in that area where it's doing the turnaround, but it's still perplexing. It's like, why is it doing this? What is the technology that is having the LIDAR go into this particular uh, neighborhood. And I think we also need to just consider that now that they're not testing this in Arizona anymore, we're going to be hearing a lot more stuff like this because yeah. SF is a tiny place. <laughs> it has less than 900,000 people. So it's a lot smaller than you you would think, actually, for, for a, a so-called sit big city, which it's not. And... I guess this is a true chest of the Waymo driving capabilities as well. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Actually, I don't I'm know. just so I'm just taking a look. The My Rose Garden guest rooms, upscale bread and bed and breakfast, two hundred twenty nine dollars a night. That's not hmm. terrible. Well, well, you have to 
you're going to have to get a, it's going to be kind of a haul to get to the convention center from there. But where is this in the Richmond, outer Richmond? Uh, it is 20, 20th Avenue and that same street. Yeah. So basically 20th um, and, uh, yeah, it takes an hour to get to downtown San Francisco yeah. via public transit from that part of San Francisco. It's, it's pretty you're, infuriating. You're, you're practically, you're, you're a lovely walk from the Golden Gate Bridge, which means that whatever meeting that you've, that's in 45 minutes at, uh, <laughs> at, uh, on that, that's, uh, at the, that at is the a hike to the Golden Gate Bridge. I will tell you the, that is it's pleasant. I haven't it's been to gorgeous. San Francisco in like I used to go like two or three times a year, and now it's been probably like four years since I've been. Well, my anniversary is this weekend, and now that we're looking at this map, which by the way, I'm looking at an Apple map because mm-hmm. I'm using DuckDuckGo now, and that's what it uses for its <laughs> maps. Anyway, now I really want to like plan myself a little, a little adventure. <laughs> I, I've been missing San Francisco. Um, and when you sent me this story, I was actually joking to my husband. Um, I asked him, how traumatizing would it be to move Mona to the city from the suburbs in her teen years? Because <laughs> I feel like that's what we'd be able to afford living in San Francisco again. There's got, there's, there's got to be a crash coming, definitely. There's a there there's 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 definitely coming a time where things get so awful to live there that no people who can have an option to move will not have moved. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> I, I just I just feel as though I started coming. I started. Uh, I made my first trip to San Francisco in like 1990. I think right after like the Loma Prieta quake, and I feel as though I caught it right before like the, the the next swing towards weirdness and so i rode that and my the generation takes, of weirdness yeah i think the pendulum takes like 10 or 15 years before it becomes no weird people are not invited here we don't wait we we don't we, we want we want the we want weird rich people not weird bohemian people so i'm hoping that in another five or ten years i just even like the last two or three trips it felt like not that, not as though like I was being kicked out, but like, oh, so all the things that I really enjoyed doing are now I can't do them anymore because the places have been shut down by mm-hmm. the by the government because or the, the building's been sold and turned to something boring. Mm-hmm. Or I will also admit it's now way, way too dangerous to be in that neighborhood anymore. I, I would, I would like to take that stroll that I used to like to take, but I really don't want to get killed or just stripped for parts listen i was a young woman in san francisco for many years in my 20s and (laughs) i'm here in i'm here oh no no i've just i've just my my last couple trips i had a couple of like uh run-ins where let's let's say aggressive panhandlers who are used to like scaring people into like giving, giving up the money like just short of a mugging and I'm like, I I can't, uh, I, I, I'm I more at ease in New York City these days than I was like that time in San Francisco where you have to, you know, where you have to put on your total warfare face and you have to make sure that like you're not, you're not ready for a fight, but it looks like you look like one of those Bernard Getz sort of people who are just so tightly wound up that like their hands are already balled into fists and that, you know... <laughs> They're, they're, well, we can thank the rich people who live in the Richmond for all of their uh, NIMBY uh, votes that they have contributed that are the reason that it feels that way. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. Too, too much. Mm. 
for these cars. Too much for these cars. They just can't handle <laughs> they, the they panhandle can't even. of San Francisco. They just can't even. They were, There's a panhandle in San Francisco. Yes. Uh, shall we call it a show? Yes. Because we need to rest because next week is going to be a long week for the exactly. both of us, as we can already tell. Um, okay. Well, that is, I guess that settles us for the end of this episode. Um, I would like to remind everybody that if you would like to send us some feedback, you can at materialpodcast at gmail.com or like last week's, uh, yes, last episode's um <laughs> read our email that we had we would love to read your feedback here on the air if you're interested or if you just want to send us a little letter just for me and andy you can do that too uh as for subscribing to our show you can go to relay.fm material to find out more about becoming a member of the relay fm network because you see when you become a member of the relay fm network you not only support us here at material you support this wonderful family of podcast artists and we thank you we really do thank you um which is why you get a lot of perks when you become a member so please join us for that and then andy i guess that takes me to you what are you up to this week um as usual on friday i am on boston npr wgbh uh, talking uh, the tech roundup of news and events and occasions and thoughts are on my mind you can tune in uh, at 1 p.m eastern time on friday uh, to stream it live or you can go to wgbhnews.org anytime later on and stream it at your leisure at your leisure thank you very much andy i hope that you felt some leisure doing this podcast today <laughs> Um, as for me, you can find me at flowrights.tech. That is my author page at gizmodo.com, which is where I write every day. Well, five days a week. Uh, you can also go to florenceion.com where you'll find a link to all my social media pages as well as to my Discord if you're interested in joining the Flow Feed. We have a very burgeoning, supportive community that we've built over there. And um, if you're looking for some tech help, it's a good place to start, actually. We're a lot less scarier than Reddit. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, I think just also want to thank our editor, Jim, for editing us this week and thank Relay FM for giving us a spot here to talk about cars running into barriers. <laughs> it's a mental barrier. See, and those are the That's those are the toughest to, to overcome. See, when you actually have like a, a shopping cart in the middle of the street, you can define what it is, you can create a plan. But you have to trammel the the ins and outs and the Byzantine passageways of your own mind to figure out where this anxiety comes from. Don't be down on yourself, Waymo car. If just because you're imagining a threat doesn't mean that that threat is not real to you, and the only way around it is going to be through it, which is not your way. To... I feel like we should be hugging these cars. They are kind of cute. They are. They're like bulbous they in the right ways. I hate that, but they are. Anyway. <laughs> See, come back next week. We'll talk more about Google. Until then, <laughs> bye, everybody. Have a happy. <laughs>